0: Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. My name is Mary Abijay, and let me introduce you to my amazing co-host, Mr. Chris DeSantis, who's going to tell you all about today's special episode.
1: Chris? Hi, Mary, and yes, thank you. This is a very special episode. This evening, we'll be hosting the Leadership Council on Legal Diversity, LCLD. It's a national organization made up of diverse lawyers inside firms and companies across the United States. And tonight, our host, Nicole Velasquez, a director at the organization, will be moderating this event for us and then giving us questions on their behalf which we will be answering over the next half hour or so. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Chris DeSantis, Uh, you can see that from my name there, and I appreciate you all having me today, and Mary as well. I'll let Mary introduce herself in just a moment here. I understand we have about, um, not quite an hour together, so we'll just keep uh, plugging away here till we run out of questions. So when we do, we'll we'll stop. But uh, having said that, I'd like to introduce my co-host on Cubicle Confidential. A number of you know her, but I don't know if the Pathfinders do. This is uh, a wonderful human being, Mary Abajay. Mary, tell them about yourself.
0: I'm a wonderful human being.
1: <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs>
0: and that's what I do. Hey, Chris, we need a special word so that when we say mm. it, everybody has to drink their either wine or their wassail or their water or their orange juice or whatever there is. So what shall that word be?
1: Well, um, I think a word that will come up is probably one like hybrid or- I love it. Hybrid. Let's, let's go with hybrid.
0: Hybrid. Hybrid people. All right. So this is how it works. Chris, how's that hybrid work environment going?
1: Everyone has to take a drink.
0: Well, everybody, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mary Abajay. Uh, I, like Chris, am an author, speaker, uh, consultant, and I love helping people help themselves at work. And Chris and I, right, (laughs) I'm a podcaster. And so Chris and I started this little podcast this summer, and it's been super popular, super fun. And so we're just here to give you workplace advice. Some of it might be good, some of it might suck, some of it might be salty, some of it might be funny, some of it actually might be helpful.
2: If you have a question and would like to unmute yourself, you know, go ahead in the reactions tab and raise your hand and I will um, call on you in turn. But to get us started, I will look at some of the questions and topics we got beforehand when everybody registered. And one of, a lot of the questions relate about relate around working from home. Um, And one of the big ones was how do you battle burnout working from home when that sometimes means that you are always working?
1: Mm. Mary, do you want to kick off that question? Go ahead and kick it off and I'll do cleanup. Well, um, I I saw this earlier. So I I looked into this this notion of burnout and in terms of first, what's the definition of it? I think sometimes we just get tired. So I think there actually there is a clinical version of this and the fact there's steps to getting there, according to the Mayo Clinic. But burnout, I'm going to read this to you because it means really feeling empty and mentally exhausted, devoid of motivation and beyond caring. So um, people who experience this don't see any hope of positive change in their situations. So it's excessive stress that feels like you're drowning in responsibility. That is really the, 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 the definition of burnout in the extreme. I think we just get tired, and, and meaning that tired is probably closer to this, because uh, the, the thing about burnout is, or actually not so much burnout, is about the situation we are in when we are remote makes us feel a little differently because we have no comparisons to make, meaning when you are on your own, you don't know how long you have been sort of, am I the only one doing this or other people doing? So if you have, uh, if this uh, isolation can be a problem, another problem with this is the the fact that you have uh, poor metrics, meaning there's unclear uh, job expectations. So you end up working more which is interesting. Plus you feel the guilt of not being there. And so there is no boundary between going to the office and coming home, and therefore you elongate your day. So all, all of these things really come into play with this. Uh, and so I, I don't, uh, I'm reading a very interesting book. I, in fact, I'm gonna let Mary say a few words and I'm gonna tell you about a book I'm reading that I think uh, uh, sort of uh, comes to this issue. Mary, what, what are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, so burnout's a very real problem going on for a lot of people. And, you know, oftentimes burnout is caused by working too much, but let's be honest, y'all are lawyers and you've always worked a lot. You've always been on the borderline of workaholic. So what's really different now? And Chris really alluded to some of that. And one of the big things that's different is there's no break between your work life and your home life. It's all blended. So even a small break, like a 10 minute commute, you helps your brain kind of readjust and reset where you are. So even if you were working 12, 14 hour a day, you at least had that break when you came back. So that's missing. So one of the things that causes burnout, one uh, of the results of, of burnout is like the lack of resiliency. Um, and we know from a lot of studies. That lawyers actually have very low levels of resiliency. Mm-hmm. It's just very common in your profession, uh, and and there's a lot of reasons why. But one of the reasons why is because you guys are are always on guard for things, right? You're always trying to mitigate risk. You're always trying. You have to look at the worst case scenario all the time in your jobs, and so this can really play a number. So I think if you're feeling the burnout, there's a couple of things that we can suggest. One, of course, is self care. You've got to name it. To tame it. So if you are feeling this burnout, then you know what? There's no shame in that game. You've got to acknowledge it. You've got to, first of all, figure out what you can do for yourself. That old expression, which I hate, but I'm going to use, put your own oxygen mask on first find out what you need to do to recharge rejuvenate um and then of course there has to be the conversation with your colleagues the people that work for you your bosses i think this is the sort of thing where we need to be more transparent about the burnout be, to more, be need to be more transparent about how we're all doing especially as we go into hybrid <laughs> <laughs> hybrid is not going to be helping the burnout. So those are just a few thoughts and go back to all those great things you learned about resilience, uh, keeping a positive attitude, getting rest, meditating, exercise, all that stuff should help you.
1: And let me, let me add, cause I was going to, um, I, I don't normally do this because I, I like to finish a book before I, I would recommend a book, but, uh, there's a, there's an author that I really like. His name's Oliver Berkman. And he's written uh, two other books I've read. And I've just started to read this one. This book is interesting. It's called The 4,000 4, Weeks. 4,000 Weeks alludes to how long you will live. About 80 Is that weeks. all? 4,000 weeks? Yes, yes. Damn,
0: this last week has felt like 2,000 already. Are you kidding me? Only 4,000 weeks?
1: Yes, yes, yes. And I hate to get you all depressed before I start <laughs> describing this. But what I really like about the book is he's looking at your life more largely than the t- 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 the consumption of time. You see, one of the challenges I think you are face as a lawyer is you are primed for time mm-hmm. in the sense that you look at time incrementally. Uh, in fact, down to 10-minute increments, it's, uh, I think if that's correct, which I think is gets in your way because it then prioritizes, I want to get all of these things off my plate. And then so what you end up doing is you end up projecting your life into the future and not living your present. And one of the challenges with this is, who are you? What do you value? And I think when we busy ourselves, we don't examine what we actually value, and therefore we follow the flow of what we should be doing. And I would argue, maybe you have to re-examine at some point, reflect as to what are my priorities, and then do is what I'm doing aligning with those? And of the things that I'm doing that align with those, which are the real priorities within that that have value? Yeah. And I think that's how you start to look at your life. And that's you why learn- m- I would, l- I recommend this book, even though I haven't even finished it.
0: Yeah. And then of course, good people, you've got to w- learn the power of the word no. And oh yeah. N-O. no, that doesn't align to my priorities. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that for you. No, I'm not available. No, I would love to do that for you, but I can't <laughs> Yeah, know? Being able to say no. Chris and I talked about this on a podcast recently. Every time you say yes, to something that's not a priority in your personal and professional life, you are actually saying no to something that is a priority. Uh, A friend of mine wrote this book called uh, The Not Doing List. uh, And it's all about uh, time management by making lists of what you aren't going to do every day. It's actually a pretty funny little way to turn that on its head.
1: I love that. I think that's a great idea.
0: (laughs) Nicole just said, I would love to do that, but I don't want to. (laughs) How does never, does never work for you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I hope we answered that question. I think we, Nicole, or actually anyone who's listening.
0: <laughs> no questions too large, yeah, too I, sticky, I,
2: too sensitive. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. I was just going to say, Chris, I actually can't believe that you recommended a book that's, so unlike you, <laughs> Shocking, You are reading no, and rec-
1: I've I, I recommended a book I haven't finished reading. That's what's unlike me. So I usually would like to read the whole thing, then I would say something. But I loved his other two books. He's so funny, and he's so and he and he and he goes to a lot of sources. Uh, he so he makes references to psychologists and other writers, and it's tight. It's well written. It's tight.
0: He's no right. Malcolm Gladwell. I wrote though, it down.
1: <laughs> no, no, he's, he's, be- I like him better than Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell has a, a pomposity, this guy doesn't.
0: Oh, look at this. Uh, right. uh, Alita has started saying no and why. And surprisingly, folks are working with it and adjusting their timeline so we can focus on your end goals. You go. Excellent. Yes. Uh, Bahi says, I love the idea of making a list of things not to do every week. And the key of that is just like you check off your to-do list, you get to check off your not to-do list. Whoops. Didn't do that. Check. Didn't do that.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Um, it looks like we have a question. So, um, Luke, if you want to go ahead and unmute yourself.
3: Yes, absolutely. First of all, this is like a hybrid kind of statement thing that we have going on here. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> as well played, uh, sir. Well my, played. <laughs> as I drink my chocolate milk from one of my kids' McDonald's cups. That's that's fantastic. Chocolate <laughs> milk. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, the, the comment is, first of all, it is so great to see you all. Like, this has just been, just seeing you has been good for my soul. So thank you guys for <laughs> doing you. this. Thank you. Yeah. Um, My question is, like, professional coaching, right? There are so many kind of coaches out there and people who want to, like, you know, help take you to the next level or, like, the coaching and things like that. And, you, you know, maybe you have colleagues that are like, oh, yeah, you know, I just... I just hired my own kind of executive coach and things along those lines. When do you, when do you like know that you need one? Or like, when should you even Mm. think about it? Like, how should you think about it? So, you know, if things are going well, you're like, well, is this going to take me from good to great? Or is this just going to be a waste of money and time? Like, what are your thoughts kind of Mm. in the professional world that you see where coaching is of benefit?
0: Love this. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and take this first, if that's okay. Cause-
3: oh, yes,
1: please.
0: So a couple of things about, I'm going to to get to your question in a second, but the key thing is if you are going to get a coach, you want to interview a couple of people and you want to make sure you have a really good fit uh, because coaching is a relationship. And so you want to make sure like if someone assigns you a coach, if you don't like them, find another coach. So if you're ever going to hire one, interview one. The second thing around finding one is really decide what it is you want out of your coach. There's a big difference between a life coach who I call the unicorn people uh, who are going to just show you how powerful you can be, as opposed to an executive coach is going to be like, all right, let's take a look at your leadership style, as opposed to a business or a strategy coach that's going to help you grow a business or grow something. So there's lots of different flavors of coaching Um, or a career coach is just going to help you think about your next step. So I think a coach can be helpful at any time. Uh anytime you want to take a moment to like really reflect on how well you're leading or doing something. But I think the best use of a coach is either when your organization says, hmm. Luke, you could use some coaching. (laughs) Ah, Let's get Luke some coaching. So if there's something that you're struggling with, whether it's communication or delegation or leadership presence or something that you want to get to the next level, that's a great time to have a coach. If there's something that you want to learn and your your leadership, great time to have a coach. Always remember what got you here isn't going to get you there. Um, so whenever you're feeling a little bit of itch, get yourself a coach. Um, but be really clear about what you want. Out of that coach is this coach the right person? Um, and coaching should be about forward movement. It's not your therapist. Coaches don't give a shit what happened to you yesterday. They want to know about what do you want to accomplish tomorrow and what are you doing to make that happen. So yeah, that would be my initial my initial thing, Chris to say. Oh, another time to get a coach is if you ever get like a 360 or any kind of that review, a coach can help you really kind of think through that feedback and make good action towards it.
1: I'm okay. Going to Chris, to, let too. me just, um, first, let me read one of the quotes here. This is from KS. Here's my two cents. Some firms invest in their people by offering them coaching, but then you feel obligated to tote the company line and do a bit of rah-rah, even if they may not be, be how you feel.
0: No. So I'm going to answer that really quickly because we do a lot of leadership. My company does a lot of leadership development. And in a lot of those programs, uh, they will give the participants uh, like 10 hours of one-on-one coaching. We're really clear with the client, and these are usually government people that do this, that that coaching can be about their leadership, but that we're not going to get involved in like reporting back whatever right. it is. So if you are in an organization that's giving you coaching, there's two things about this. One is be really clear whether your coaching relationship is confidential and if there's any organizational strings attached to it. Or two, be really clear if they're hiring a coach for you because they're just planning to fire you is <laughs> the last, it's the last step. Right. right. Sending you right. away.
1: So anyway, I, I, I don't Sorry. have much to add to what, uh, what Mary said on this, Luke. I, I do know that the, she quoted the title was the book, What Got You There. So Marshall Goldsmith, his books on this are very good. He, you only have to read one of them. They're all the same book, but he keeps rewriting it. But he's good. He's, he's, he's worthy. I also think in terms of coaching, uh, my, 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 one of the challenges I feel with coaching is they don't know your firm. So they can only coach you in terms of your behavior, but not in the context of your firm. So one of the cautions here is what's the problem you're having? If it's personalities in the firm who are, are specific to the environment with the with the backdrop of the systems in the firm, I'm not convinced this coach can help you. But if it's about the personality, your own personality and how you interact with others in general and the direction you want to take, I think there might be some more validity there. So I guess a lot of it has to do, what is the context of the challenge that you face? Because it's clear you want to talk to somebody. And so in that sense, and the other thing is you want somebody who's Socratic and is reflecting and get, forces you to your own insight, or do you want somebody who's going to lay the path for you, which goes back to Mary's points: who is the interview people that fit who you are?
0: Yeah, and a good coach won't lay the path for you. A good yeah. coach is going to use the Socratic method. Like coaching, true coaching at its very essence is about helping the learner Uh, helping the coachee uh, actually develop their own path. So a really true coach is going to just ask you a ton of questions and help you figure out what you want to do. A mentor might lay the path out for you. Yeah, Um,
1: I agree with me. I I would make an awful coach. Cause I'm going to tell will, you what you got to do here. I'm Chris, gonna, here's I, the
0: <laughs> I went to coaching school through the whole shtick. And I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, I don't have the patience for you. Here's, here's what you often do. Like, exactly. And exactly. don't come back next week and ask me again, how to do it? Because I just told you, yeah, oh, I by gave the up way, coaching.
1: Let me say one more thing. It has nothing to do with what we've, you've said, Luke, but it has to do with this 360. I am not a fan of those. Wow. I do not like those.
0: But if you have one, you may as well make use of it.
1: I know, but the problem I find with 360s is that the, the information is anonymous. Yeah, to a great degree. And when you have anonymous information, you, you lose the context of the statement. And then you become subject to hearsay because you cannot necessarily say, I don't remember why that was said in that particular moment, this particular way. I, I find them fine if it's personal development and nobody sees it but me. I'm offended if anybody else sees it.
0: Well, that's usually how they're done, though, Chris. Usually if you you are the only one that gets your 360 results.
1: No, I've seen it where the boss gets it.
0: Oh
3: well, <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah They're familiar. they're
0: they're a little problematic. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, it was helpful. <laughs> oh. You know, because seriously, because you know, it's funny because as lawyers, we, we work hard to make partner. Then you make partner, and you're partner for a few years, and then you're kind of looking around like, okay, like now what? And right. and just trying to think about like what's next and pushing yourself and everything is always interesting. So that was super helpful. So great to see you guys. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Luke.
0: Thanks, Luke. And yeah, it's really funny, Chris. The people that. That don't ever want coaching are usually the ones that need it.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, well, they're, yeah, they have that self awareness issue.
0: Yeah, that's true. All right.
1: Do you have another question? Please
2: raise your hand. I did get a question um, that I will read to you, but in the meantime, if anybody has questions, just put your hand up. Um, So the question is um, in this environment, as leaders in the um, the hybrid environment, organizations (laughs) in the hybrid environment that they are working in, Um, In addition to working, many have been called on to kind of counsel and mentor junior people in more and more significant ways. So how do you handle that without draining all your energy? And any tips on how do you know when you need to refer those people to other professional services that you're not equipped to handle?
1: Do You want me to start off on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... What I'm understanding is a number of junior people have been assigned to this person that they're guiding them through in the initial phases of their work or or their issues at work. Is that what you're saying, Nicole? Is Is that the nature of the question, Nicole? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think there's, there's options with this. You certainly can do individual time with each of these people, but when you do individual time, you have to allocate at least 30 minutes for an individual time anyway. So I'm not opposed to that. If you have the time, what I think is more useful though, when you have a number of people that, because these issues are not necessarily isolated to an individual they are usually something that numbers of young people will experience at this particular juncture in their lives. So I might consider having small, what I would call um, a, me- a mentoring circle. Mm, I- and so what you would do here is you would say, look, I- I've-, I've got... Look, I, I'm putting you in a very special group of young people uh, that, I, that I basically want to nurture. And I'd like you to bring forward your issues uh, to the group uh, if you can, if you're willing to do so, because I think your issues are learning points that we could all leverage. And what you're doing here is you is now you can allocate an hour or an hour and a half or whatever you want, but you're still saving all of the uh, excess time. And here's the other point, what I've learned from this. They start to help each other. You see, it's not that they are helping; you are helping them alone. They start to give ideas to each other, and then beyond you, they start talking to each other. So, what you're doing is you're creating a network for them as well, and you're saving yourself some of the grief of a lot of individual sessions that you will eventually resent.
0: It's a virtuous circle from our virtuous person, Chris DeSantis. That is amazing (laughs) advice. Absolutely right. You're killing more. How you're killing two birds with one stone, 30 birds with one stone, you're really creating not only um, a nice mentoring circle, but you're teaching them how to mentor each other, which is really what, and a good coach will coach themselves out of a job. A good coach will teach you how to coach yourself. I love that. I'm just going to add one more thought to that. And that is mentoring, coaching, teaching role model for others, being a role model for others is a hallowed profession. It is, I can't imagine a better use of one's time like in terms of good karma and in terms of being a good person. So if you're asked to do that, approach that with the reverence I think that deserves. And that just might be me, but teaching somebody, helping someone else be successful is so rewarding and is such the right thing to do. Um, so approach that with kind of the, um, I think the respect that it deserves, uh, you know, for, and for a couple of reasons, a, it's, it's the right thing to do, to be a good human being B it's really great karma. C, you'd be shocked if you really open yourself up to teaching someone else how much you will learn yourself. Uh, great mentors are not only teachers, but they're learners. Whenever I mentor somebody, even if it's begrudgingly, it's always really surprising to me like how much I learn along the way if I stay open. If any of you have any inkling of imposter syndrome, go mentor somebody. It's hard to hang on to the, I don't think I'm good enough when you're teaching someone else how to be good enough. It's like magic. And the last reason I would say to really embrace this opportunity is you're going to be working for them someday. (laughs) At some point, the younger generation is going to rule the world. So you may as well getting good with them now. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> i have a, a quote here i should read again because it has the coach um anish said this i took a course called the coaching habit and that was actually helpful in understanding the role of a coach and helped me and identify what i look for in a coach i think there's the book i read the book called the coaching habit which was quite good yeah. it's a very short book really tight and he gives you sort of six steps to how to be how to do effective coaching which i thought i really enjoyed it i think it's a good read
0: Yeah, for all of you that manage other people, whether it's on a regular basis or on a project, uh, is is you should, uh, like when my team comes to me and says, you know, I have this problem, I will say to them, do you want me to coach you or do you want me to tell you the answer? And sometimes they'll say, oh, just tell me what to do, Mary. Sometimes they'll say, no, help me figure it out. And mm. as you as leaders, you, and even if you're just playing a mentoring role, the more you can be, you can kind of help people decide what's going to be helpful for them is really great. If you constantly just tell people how to do something, that's not helpful. But sometimes somebody doesn't want to go through a 30 minute coaching session. They just want to know whether or not they should use the Oxford comma, <laughs> like, you know? So <laughs> so asking people what would be most helpful is also so a nice practice for you to develop as leaders.
1: That's great. And by the way, the author from Anisha uh, came through. It's Michael Stanier and it's seven questions. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and by the way, every leader should actually have some coaching skills in, in their toolkit because uh, yes. it is a great way to uh, mentor and grow talent and engagement.
1: Well, again, this goes back to time. You are not primed for this. Yeah. Your time is essential. So the easiest thing for you to do is tell them how to do it as opposed to the teaching of how to do it.
0: Yeah. And yes, Carl Riley, of why wouldn't you use an Oxford comma? I get into so many debates about the Oxford comma. I was doing a workshop on managing up for this law firm in Atlanta a couple of years ago. And this young first year associate comes to me and says, Mary my senior partner, he won't use the Oxford comma. How do I, how do I get him to use it? And I was like, dude, you don't like, this is not the hill you want to die on as a first <laughs> associate, like find a bigger battle, but this one is not it. Oh, that's funny. Oh, niche can go either way. Well, aren't you special in niche?
1: <laughs> You're talking about the comma? I am also. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am also pro Oxford comma, by the way. Um, can we take that a step further? And I don't know if this, this gets more to the question, but I think um, in this day and age, um, especially where many uh, uh, fellows and Pathfinders are in their career, if they are, for instance, you know, the one diverse partner in their org, right, and they get an associate, a diverse associate or summer, they're asked to be the one to kind of mentor yes. them. And then you get another diverse summer associate. And because you're the only one, you're again asked to mentor that person. And at some point, you have, you know, your billables or your work to do, and you're being asked to do all this extra work. So I guess, you know, if you could maybe talk about that, and how do you say, and that's one of the questions, actually, that we got, is, you know, how do you say, no, you're piling too much on me, um, without sounding, ungrateful for the work or lazy or that you just don't want to do it? Um, how, How can you politely say no or say, you know what? I'm a little, I've got too much on my plate right now.
0: Yeah. So I'll, you know, this is one of those really tricky situations. This is one that goes with like, depends, 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 depends not the underwear, the culture and the relationships. Uh, So one, one thing I would recommend is that the danger of always having the one person diversity mentor all the other diversity is that it just looks like it's just, it's a bad optic and it's not a good idea uh, because it makes us and them, us and them, us and them. So I would consider going to raise it to your senior partner, your managing partner, who's ever doing this and say like, Hey, like this doesn't, this isn't a good optic and this isn't really going to help us all kind of play well together and understand each other and be inclusive and diverse. So I would push back on that front saying, let's mix this up a little bit. Let's like share some of the, mentoring and coaching and sponsoring with people all over the firm because we don't want to make these new associates feel even more marginalized by only getting to talk to the people of color or they're like them. So that would be my initial response. But I think Chris is smarter than I am about this. I'm going to turn it over to No, no,
1: I I agree with you. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, here's what I would do. I would view this as a self-refusal event, a first refusal, meaning that, look, you're going to get the diverse uh, associate. You want to meet them anyway, Period. You want to meet them anyway. So who wouldn't, right? This person feels alone in this environment to begin with. It's nice to see somebody who shares some inclination as to who they are. Now, having said that, you would sit them down and say, look, I'm here to help you find the issue that you want to address. And so whatever, what is it uh, that is pressing for you that you'd like to learn or that you are that is unknown to you here in this environment? Because I'm going to find the person and I'm going to arrange the meeting and I'm going to connect you with them because I need you to get the best help the best way. I am not the best help for all things. I'm helpful for some things. So this first meeting is really to determine how I can get you the help and if I'm the one to do it. So this way, I think, because I don't think their issues are about this difference all the time, because I don't think they're necessarily honing in on that. I think they want to fit in. And I think if you want to fit in, you probably have other issues you want to deal with. Find that and then find somebody. Uh, Now, going back to Mary's point, I would go to the managing partner and say, here's the deal. I'm going to be the adjudicator of their issue. And I'm going to be the guy or the woman who's going to go to the partner and you're going to back me up on this. And I'm going to say, you're going to meet with them and solve this problem. And, you, and so you managing partner, you back me up because like that it. way we diffuse this and we get them involved in the larger organization. And I got somebody behind me who says they're going to do it.
0: Yeah. I love that. You know, Matthew Howard said he's had that off, awkward conversation it was awkward, but well worth it. Matthew, would you be willing to come on and tell us a little bit about that conversation, how you had it, uh, what it was like, I mean, if you're comfortable. Um,
4: so I, I just, I, I probably had it in too blunt a way, but I
0: okay. just, <laughs> well, tell us what was worked. I, and what I, was spent, helpful.
4: I spent a little over a year as the only black partner at a firm, which is not a giant firm, but still is like a couple hundred people. And I was like, I understand that I'm like the senior black partner here, but I'm not the senior partner. And yeah. like, I, I can't interview, you know, 50, you know, fifty hundred people. And I can't like be at every event and I can't be everyone's mentor. So yeah. we got to have to spread this around. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the year, people are going to look at you and say, well, what was your billable work? And if you're like, I did 100 hours of billable work and 2,000 hours of mentoring, yeah. like every brown associate at this firm, you know, people would be like, that's very nice. Please find another job. So, yeah. I mean, I I mean that was really the conversation I had very bluntly with people is like, I, I'm i happy to be a, a resource, but I can't be the resource. And we have yeah. to figure a way to get other people engaged. And it's the other thing I said, which is less popular, is like, you have to get paid for this. This Yes. Is Thank you. I'm not doing this as a volunteer thing. Like, yes, I'm trying to build the firm I want to see. But at the end of the day, like that value accretes to everyone. It's not accreting to me. Like having a diverse firm is not like, is not a benefit for me. It's a benefit for everyone. And so if I'm spending material time doing that work, that's got to get compensated. And if people don't see that. You're
1: subsidizing your partners by doing this. Exactly.
0: And so, Matthew, you had the conversation. It was awkward. Was it successful? Yeah. See, people, sometimes you just got to go speak truth to power, right? Truthish to powerish? <laughs> no. <enough. laughs> Thank you, Matthew. That was very helpful. Um, we do have a next question from
5: oh. Adrian. Do you want to unmute yourself? Unmuted in this hybrid environment. You almost got me there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting thirsty. So thank you guys. I love, um, the podcast. It's so much fun enjoying a ton and happy to be here with uh, my fellows. Yay. And the pathfinders too. Congrats. So my question is around coaching, leading someone who's reporting to you who has been with the company. I'm in house longer than I have been, but has gotten stuck. So not promoted, frustrated, and I want to be able to help her and guide her. And I've made that clear to her, but I've noticed a pattern that I think part of it comes from not feeling confident Mm -hmm. in her own decision-making, which may have contributed to where she is (laughs) in her professional journey. Mm -hmm. Um, But this practice of BCCing me on a ton of stuff and I don't know if the expectation is I'm going to read anything not happening and guiding her, you know, in the, in the effort to empower her, like, listen, you've been doing this role. I trust you come to me. If you need support with anything, or if you want to, you know, talk through something, but you don't really need to copy me or set up time and walk through a laundry list of things you're working on it's kind of fallen on deaf ears. And I'd love your thoughts on how to maybe break through the logjam.
1: Do you want to start, Mary?
0: I think I I started first last time, didn't I?
1: I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, this is an interesting problem because um, it's clear other people have said something about her because she stalled. So if she's stalled, it's for a reason. Now, this, this this notion, when somebody says confidence, that's an umbrella statement that people hide behind because she's engaging in some specific behaviors that they don't like. And, and so I need to get to that. And so the point here is that I, I use this thing called collaborative pattern recognition. She needs to go back to people she's worked for and said, I've been told. I've been told on occasion that I am not eliciting, uh, not I'm not presenting enough confidence in the work that I do. Can you help me understand where I'm lacking? Meaning, she should write to these people and say, "I want to get better at this. I really want to get better at this." So tell me, I've done work for you in the last year. Tell me where I was strong and where I was lacking, and what you might recommend. My point here is, she should collect this feedback from a number of people saying specifically i intend to get better at being confident in the eyes of others but i need to know what i'm not doing and so she collects that information personally and then she starts to look for you've noticed what is the pattern within see she's already given you the pattern she's creates a dependency that's what she does she creates dependency this is the bcc Now you are, I'm, you're, so now I'm creating dependency on you. So she is not holding, you see, look, what did they say about me? She's looking for somebody to echo some, you know, the view that she has of herself. And now you're supposed to fill in the the role of, you know, mom, whatever that is. And no, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. And you shouldn't do that. There should be no BCC. In fact, you should never, you should say, I want to see none of this. This is irrelevant to our relationship, our relationship is about you becoming who you should be, not about me following you and and becoming your nursemaid. I'm not. I'm not. So I think you first have to identify what the problem is and make her do that. Who are the who are the people that are most important in, in terms of how you are judged? What what areas did you work for them in? Send them an email. Let's work on the email. Say, what are you going to ask them about this issue of how you are perceived in terms of your confidence and say and then we're going to we're going to look for the pattern. You're going to look for the pattern, and then we're going to talk about it. You see what I mean? Her her problem, her solution, your advice.
5: Yep. Love that. Thanks. So Mary, I'm
0: going to go a different track because oh. I don't think she's going to do that homework, and that's well, a then. long-ass piece of homework. So here's another option. First of, of all, do you really trust her, Adrian? I do.
5: I think she has a ton of potential. Do you trust her, her now? <laughs> trust her now? Yeah. I do. I do. Okay. So another option, uh,
0: a shortcut that may or may not work is to sit her down and say, as Chris said, no more BCC, no more CCC. Like you've got to, you've got to do this job. We will meet every week for 10 minutes. You will review like what you've done. You will give her the feedback. This was, well, here's what I would do differently. So it'll take a little bit more time on your end, but like really be clear on her parameters. Like what, like what she needs to, like where she needs to walk on her own two feet and where she needs to include you. So it could be as simple as like every time you email a client or internal stakeholder on this project. I want to CCC. Do not CC me. On, and so it might take you like every week to be really clear about when you delegate, what, her, what are her boundaries of authority and what is it that you do want to be kept in the loop on and what you don't. And then meet with her literally either weekly or daily basis, 10 minutes and review those boundaries, review where she was standing on her own two feet and where she was still clinging to you like mommy. So being a little bit just more like No, no, yes. Try it again next week. Great job. No, you're still doing that. Like just kind of hammer home the feedback, the direct approach.
1: I don't have any problem with that, Andre. Uh, But uh, my other point here is because I think Mary alluded to this earlier. I think she might have a touch of this imposter phenomenon. She might. And so she needs to hear that people like her more than she imagines they don't. And so when she gets this feedback, she's going to get a more complete picture of this particular aspect. Generally, I really like your work. This is good. But here's what you do when you deliver it. You, 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 you deflect when I say it was done well, or you, 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 you shrink in my, pre- you see what I'm saying? They're going to say some things, but they're going to also say some good things. And I think she needs to hear the good and the things she can correct, because I don't think she hears any good things. That's, That's a good point. Yeah, I
5: can yeah. see that. Thank you. I-
1: yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Was that at
5: all helpful, or were we just like making super neighbors? super helpful? Because every time I get another email, I'm like, really. And who else is being BCC'd too? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> have you ever have you ever Somebody... just sat her, Have you ever just shattered down and
0: directly said like, let's talk about this? You have you you have this habit of doing this. It's not working for you.
5: What's it, what's driving that? So excellent point. And I have my first one on one with her tomorrow. So this was perfect timing. She just started reporting to me. So yes, I, I was like, I spot this. I don't like it.
0: Yes. I like, I'm like direct, kindly go for the juggler. Not really, but you know what I mean? Like don't pussyfoot around it. If this is really getting into uh, in the way of her progress or her growth, her success. Then, you know, tell her the truth about it. Or at least your truth about it. Because you're not comment. doing them a favor if you're not honest with her.
1: I have a comment here from EM. I liked it. I had a similar issue. But had my attorney review the job description for their role and had them provide a self-assessment so that they could identify what they were responsible for. Nice. Good attorney, but not a go-getter. It helped identify opportunities for growth.
0: Love That's it. That's nice. Great. That's good. That's nice. Alita, is that how Alita says their name? If I if I it is. Oh, thank you. Oh yeah, I got it right. Thank you, and I get
5: it because you know at
2: the end of the day I can't babysit. Like I no. I need to win the lotto and you take over. And if I have to weigh in on every every decision and if I hear from other and I heard from other people in the department that say they never heard from my attorney, then that's a problem. And and I 100 percent agree. I want my people to be successful, but they have to own it. And mm-hmm. I just said you need to step it up.
4: Period. Because
0: mm-hmm. you're
2: not this- even performing. At what I'm expecting you to perform it, regardless if people like you or
4: not.
0: Mm-hmm. And what Ali is really getting to as well is like, you know, we we all think that we're really good delegators. We all think that we're really clear about what your love of authority or what, you, but we're not. So be really clear. Do you want them to check in on decisions? What kind of decisions? Do you want to be in the loop on decisions? Or is it just like, dude, you do that and just whatever you decide is fine with me. You know, so there's a lot of gradations around how much authority around decision-making that we allow people. And don't assume that that you they know it. Like, especially if they're younger, be really clear about here's where your authority begins and ends around decisions.
1: Very emphatic, Mary.
0: I'm very emphatic about it <laughs> because I have been managing people for like 25 years, and I have learned you've got to be really clear. Otherwise, you know, you get a you get you get a credit card charge for like five thousand dollars because someone thought they could fly first class to London on your dime. And by the way, you can't <laughs> just because I can doesn't mean you can <laughs> Oh, I'm being silly. I'm sorry. It's the, right. it's the hybrid cheer.
1: <laughs> Nicole, do we have another question?
2: Oh, um, any hands raised? You know, uh, we have not that lo- much longer. So if you have any questions, please raise your hand. I'll go back to questions we got or topics. Okay. Um it's not really a question, but one of the topics we got in the registration was self-promotion. And so I assume that means, you know, successful ways to self-promote. Any any mm. tips
0: or guidance on that?
2: Yeah. I'll do let Mary it.
1: start.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do it. First of all, do it. If if you don't self-promote yourself, nobody else will. And you know, Chris and I did a podcast on this recently. We called it shame the art of shameless self-promotion. And what we mean by shameless is take the shame out of promoting yourself. There's a big difference between being a braggart and being comfortable. I mean confident. There's a big difference between like letting people know about what you're good at and your success and bragging about it. So you do have to learn how to self-promote. And this uh, we could talk. about this for hours but a couple things i want to say about this before chris tells you like how to do it a little bit more um is that you have to drive your own career and if people don't know about your successes then they don't know about your successes and i know this is especially true for women uh we believe in the myth of meritocracy right that if we just work hard enough someone's going to notice and these opportunities are going to fly down to us but that's not true People need to know about your success and it's your job to let them know with grace, with class, with inclusion of other people, but it's not really what you know or who you know, it's who knows you, who knows the good work that you do. So reframe Self-promotion is something negative and reframe it as something that you're going to do in a positive, gracious, classy way so that people know how good you are. And Chris, I'm going to shut up because otherwise I'm going for a day about how to do it. And I'll let Chris. Uh, no,
1: Chris. I think this is all really good advice, Mary. I also think uh, with regard to self-promotion, um, a couple of things. One is humility. Some of us are taught humility. Humility doesn't serve you when you are unknown. You see, humility only serves the known. So once you are a guru, I would expect you to be humble. Oh, no, no. It was only a Nobel Prize. Who doesn't have one? So in that sense, once you're famous, that's OK. But until you get there, you have to have something substantive that you're willing to say about your contributions. And this is my point. Mary already said it. Don't brag. Bragging is ugly. We don't like braggarts. But if a fact is a fact, you, if you state facts, uh, this isn't a fact. I'm the greatest attorney you'll ever meet. No, a fact is I have run a, I've run contract agreements between mergers in the in the fourteen billion dollar zone. You see, that's an interesting fact. So facts will support you, and they are not indisputable. Opinions are disputable. The other thing is that I would always argue is surround yourself with people that you can be positive about. Mm-hmm. So promote the other. So if you're on my team, Luke is brilliant. If it, oh, you want somebody who can litigate? Luke, I've never seen anybody who does it better than him. The point being is, if it's true, and if it's true, then in fact, there's an implicit reciprocity because Luke will see that you see him as a high performer and he will look for things he recognizes in you that are performance-driven as well. Be, f- be generous in your giving of others as long as it's true. And so when you are truthful to others, then that comes back. And that's Mary's point about karma, good karma, as long as it's true. So I, 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 I'm a big believer in, in the facts of this, even though, again, I have a, an innate discomfort by shouting my own, tooting my own horn.
0: Yeah. Um, but if, to, if Chris doesn't toot his own horn, then who is going to do it? Maybe I'll do it if he gives me some money. But, you know, it's not as hard as you think it is. Like, learn how to talk about the work that you're doing. Right. Um, learn how to be like, so like if, if Chris, if I ran into Chris and I hadn't seen him for a while and Chris asked me, how's it going? ask me. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. You know, I had a really busy year, did two really cool things I'm so excited about. Started a podcast with this great guy named Chris DeSantis, which is going really well. And I got this client I never thought I would get, Microsoft. So it's been really a great year for me. How, how's your year going? See, that's what it was. I mean, it wasn't braggy, maybe like I just shared my information, like share your information and turn to other people. If you complete a great project, say so excited my team and I just like landed a big deal or did this, like share the wealth. The difference between self-promotion being obnoxious is also very to the answer to Ashley's question is similar to the difference being between being arrogant and being confident. So when you are arrogant, you think you're better than everybody. Like I'm the only one that can do this. When you're confident, you are putting yourself on equal footing with others. You are saying I am worthy just as you are worthy. It's when you are, um, Uh, putting yourself above each other, they become arrogant. And the fine line between being obnoxious uh, and self-promotion is, are you listening to other people's stories? Are you only talking about yourself? Are you what's called success bombing everybody everywhere on your (laughs) feed? Um, Or are you engaging and wanting to really learn about other people and what's going on for them?
1: And and whether or not you're
0: taking all the credit.
1: But let me wrap this up with this notion of uh, the men and women in this. Women are often... uh, um, Women don't self-promote as readily as men, and we conflate self-promotion inappropriately with confidence Yeah, because women are highly confident, but they may never self-promote. Yet, from the exterior view of this, when I talk to people, when I see people self-promote, I I align them with being more confident, even though that may not be true at all. Do you follow? Mm -hmm. So these are independent variables that we conflate. Yeah. And so, people that do self-promote effectively appear more confident, even though they may or may not be.
0: That's very true. Bam, what he said, uh, Pramila. A couple of ways that you can do this if your department is one hundred percent remote and has no in-person meetings. Oh. First of all, of course, social media. Right? Don't be afraid to go onto your firm site, your company site, and LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn, like sharing, like sharing stuff, and like you know, being you want to. When you do that, though, you want to be congratulating other people nine out of ten times and then one out of ten times doing your own thing or maybe two out of ten times you know the other thing is uh, raises with your team so my team starts every team meeting with weekly wins and that is the time where everybody has to go around the horn and say a weekly win that they had something that they were proud of large or small that felt like a win to them so we all get to learn what's really important to other people and it's really a fun a fun way to do it uh, in person so you could suggest that Uh, to your team that let's do that. I mean, everybody wants to, and there's two reasons why. One, so you can self-promote, but also be so you can know what's going on with your colleagues and your team members. So you'll know what's like juicing them up.
1: The, by the way, uh, the question was: What's the best way to do this if your department is 100% remote and has n- in no person meetings? I'm I talking wanted- about
0: Zoom meetings. So we do Zoom yeah. meetings. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. team's all remote. I,
1: I, you know, there's another interesting point. I'm. It's a really. I want you to be a little Machiavellian here. Machiavellian in the sense that you want to control how you are seen by others. So when you are take credit, I did this. Uh, when you're alone in front of the person who has some kind of. Uh, Asymm- asymmetric power over you but when you're in the presence of others on your team always use we always use we we did this the problem when you say we in in, in a in an asymmetric power situation is it's sometimes heard by them as you are not confident enough to have done this you're, so it sounds like you're deflecting and not as confident so it's a very interesting phenomenon about how some people might interpret the use of we when oh we did that as opposed to i i did you follow the difference in there even though the team loves to hear somebody say we did that
0: yeah i yeah i you, so i go back and forth on the we thing i think you need to balance the i and the we i think yeah. if you always say we then you're not really like uh, so i get interviewed Owning a lot it. yeah i get interviewed a lot for my book and <laughs> i'm always saying well when we wrote the book to which the reporter will say oh did you have a co-author? And I'll be like, "No, I just can't say I wrote the book. That feels like a leap too far." So, uh, so while we're telling you how to self-promote, I will tell you it's still very hard for me. So I've got to learn to say, like, "Yeah, I wrote a book." So there.
1: The book's <laughs> called Managing Up. If anybody's interested, I <laughs> a think lovely some of book. Them have it. Oh my god! Look at the time. Wow! <laughs> Do we have time for one more question? Nicole, is there anything?
2: Anybody? Anybody want to raise hands? Yeah. No? All right. Um, I I, I saw in the chat that, um, so, you know, the books and the things we have to look up are managing up, of course, the coaching habits. I wrote down 4,000 weeks. Is that the name, Chris, of the book that you... uh, you Yes, 4,000 weeks.
0: Um, Okay.
1: Time management for mortals.
0: And, of course, there's a new book coming out, after the first of the year, called?
1: Why I Find You Irritating, Navigating Generational <laughs> Friction at Work.
0: And who, awesome. wrote, that? who wrote that book?
1: We
4: did. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Chris DeSantis wrote that book, everybody. It's going to be coming out. I've read it because I got an advanced copy. It's fantastic. It's just when you you think you've read everything you can, generational differences. Chris has taken it to a different level, a wonderful perspective. And you, uh, it's just, I mean, even if it's not like Chris, you could actually substitute generational differences for just any kind of a different person you have to work with. It's amazing. I highly recommend to buy it when it comes out. Welcome. That's how you do it, Franz. <laughs> yeah, she did
1: good. I'm gonna do. it. I'm, I'm higher than her. I, this is taped, you know, so I'll be using that again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Adrian, how uh, to support wants to know his pre-launch. Support? Adrian, email oh, I me. Know. I will tell you how to support his pre-launch because he is too. He is not like he's afraid to like toot his own horn. Buy his book. So he's gonna do. I'll. We'll talk later. I'll tell you how to. Support yeah.
1: His once I, I'll, I'll post it someday. Then you just send it out to anybody you know who who's annoying.
0: You're all <laughs> going to buy it on one day. So he's going to set a day aside before it, before, before it goes out. You're all going to buy, do a pre-buy. Amazon will be like, what's that? And it will become a bestseller in a pre-buy. This is what you do, people. It's a game.
1: Oh, that's interesting. That's so good.
0: I love
2: that. I love that. We should definitely coordinate that. We could, we could totally do that and get everybody to do on one right? day because- We all love to support you
0: guys.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. Exactly.
0: Exactly.
2: Nicer than
1: LCLD. Not
0: my first self promotion rodeo. (laughs) Well, we're at the end of our time.
1: Wow.
2: Um, This has been phenomenal. So many good gems, so many good little tidbits I've written down, so many good quotes. Um, It's always a pleasure talking with you guys. Thank you so much for for doing this to our winning all-in classes. Mention that again, our 2018 fellows and our 2016 Pathfinders. Um, I know we really appreciate you coming out for this. And we can't wait um, to hear the podcast.
1: Well, we hope you enjoyed this live broadcast of Cubicle Confidential. And we'd like to thank the people at LCLD for participating and asking us so many interesting questions. And if you really want questions answered, you should be tuning in every Wednesday morning to our podcast, Cubicle Confidential, wherever you have your podcast choices. If you want your own live event, you should call us at cubicleconfidential.com. Mary, why don't you take us on home?
0: All right, people, you know the drill. You got a workplace problem, a cubicle quagmire, we're here to help. You can email us at info at cubicleconfidential.com. You can tweet us to cubicleconfide1. You can find Chris DeSantis, Mary Abigay, and you know, Cubicle Confidential on LinkedIn and Facebook. A big hearty thanks to Jack Edinger, our amazing overworked underpaid producer. Uh, we love him. He's fabulous and we love you. So we look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, work hard, be kind. And if you can't, Call us.